Amen. All right. If you go to John chapter 15, John chapter 15, so we're going to look today. And um, so, Brother Beatles, tell me again, uh, when are you all, you, you're looking, next month you're looking to leave? Next month? Next month? Okay. You, uh, are you going to be with someone, work with someone? Or? Okay. Who else is down there with you? Okay, super. Wow. But, but you'll have others close by where you are super. That, um, it's just so important. I mean, sometimes you have to do it alone. Sometimes you have to go it alone. But, uh, but it's really nice when you have some people with you. It really is. Well, thank you for choosing us and, uh, and coming by here to see us. And thank, thank you. I think you'll put down the website, kind of sh showed you about us or something. And so thank you for those who work on that. Uh, I think we ought to say a big thank you for, to Brother Rogers and John. They uh, got our screens up and got everything working. Let's hear it for them. Yeah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. That was a lot of, a lot of work, and uh, it's going to allow us to do some things uh, that we haven't been able to do, uh, and I'm really anxious because actually I was waiting to do this. I've got a, a sermon, a lesson. It's probably going to be a little bit of a series, uh, but it deals a lot with PowerPoint and um, and a lot using uh, music and video and different things. And so uh, I would like to. I, I'm thrilled about having this, so I can do that now. If you go to John chapter 15, it says. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, I want you to remember that. We're going to read a lot more verses, but he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do so whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I call you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, and this is the, really the primary part of our text. There's so much in this passage, but here's the primary part of our text. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, listen to this, you're of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I have said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And the title of, that I'm giving this to this message this morning is, Why Become a Christian If You Live, You Suffer, and You Die? That's our, honestly, that's kind of our biography as a Christian. We live, we suffer, and we die. Why become a Christian if we live, we suffer, and we die? Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd guide my mind, my thoughts. I pray that you'd, you'd just use me, Lord. You know that I, I try 
every week, every time I speak, Lord, I've asked you to guide my mind. I've asked you to direct me to what the need is. I've asked you to help me. And Lord, each time I just have to settle down and believe this is what you have me to do. So Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee and ask you to guide me in what I teach this morning. And, and Lord, it's not what I teach, it's your word. And that Lord, I, that I might deliver it in the way that you'd have it. And Holy Spirit of God, please anoint me for this, this time, this moment. And then Lord, I ask you to write, write, wrap your arms around this place. Please uh, put your arms around our church and the people within it and make a mighty hedge of protection. And, and dear God, you, you, you said if we would uh, just, Lord, that we would praise your promises and praise the word of God that you turn back our enemies. And Lord, I'm praising the word of God right now. Praise the promises. And and Lord, I ask you to turn back every enemy that might affect us or might hinder us today. And then, Father, I ask you this morning, especially for Lola and for Brother Cummings, that you would have your hand upon them, hand upon their life, that you would have you touch their bodies in a miraculous way, that you'd give them healing and strength today, please. Let somebody know that they're praying. Let, let them know that somebody is praying for them right now and that we love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Why become a Christian? The, um, uh, God knew, as I was preparing this, God knew who, I, who would be here today. God knew that the ones that would not be. And, uh, and he laid this on my heart to, to preach this, and so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to go into it pretty directly. But, but why become a Christian if you live, you suffer, and you die? Well, number one, uh, it's not all about this life. Amen? Uh, there is a heaven. There, there, amen? There is a heaven. I mean, sometimes we in this world, it's hard to grasp that, even though you'll say, man, I'm trusting Christ. I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Can't see it, can't touch it. And, and through all we're going through, it's hard to even comprehend coming to that point of going there. But there is a heaven. There is a heaven. And, and, and that's, you know, for no other reason uh, to get, get saved and to know you're on the way to heaven, that's it. I mean, there is a heaven. And so, uh, you know, go through whatever you got to go through to get to heaven. The sad thing is when people go through so much and they're not going to heaven. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really, it, I, folks, you've probably never done this, but just a time or two I've had to, and it's really, really hard when you go to a, a funeral and, and you have to preach that funeral and, and there, or you're even sitting there and every testimony of anybody, the best they can tell you is, well, no, I don't think they ever got saved. I don't think they trusted Christ. That's a very hard funeral to do. And it's amazing when, when you know, at that, in that situation, you know, somebody's always going to get up and say, well, they're in a better place. No, they're not. No, they're not. And, and so you hate to be harsh, and I never say that when I'm preaching it. I, you know, always I give hope to everybody that, you know, uh, we don't know the heart of that person. We don't know the decisions they made. We don't know what they, what they thought uh, the moments before they died. There's, there's always a chance there, and that's the kind of hope that I try to give them. But, but they're very, very hard uh, to do those. But so there is a heaven, but what about right now? What about this life? Is it really worth it to be a Christian? 
I'm going to try my best. You know, I think it is a, a great fallacy to believe that because things do not go right in our perspective that God is unhappy with us. Okay, first of all, uh, that's one of my premises. I think it's a fallacy to believe that things are not going right in your life. Things are not going right in our perspective. And always understand that it is, it's really our perspective. It's not God's perspective. But we look at it, we feel like things are just not going right at all in our perspective. And so uh, we, we, we get this feeling, you know, uh, God must be upset with me. You don't know how many people I've talked to in counsel where they, they feel like, okay, I guess God's just mad at me. That's not necessarily the reason that you're going through what you're going through. Okay, that's, that's I'll be honest with you. Uh, more times than not, that's really, that's really not it. It's not that God is upset with you. God knows it's your sinful flesh. It's a great fallacy to believe that, that if things do not turn out right in man's perspective, that we fail to truly see the will of God for our lives. I was just counseling somebody the other day, and, and, they, and they, they, they prayed, they sought God, they made a decision. And, and I'll be honest with you, with everything that seemed to fall into place, everything that seemed like God did for this decision, it seemed very, very right to me as they, as they described it to me. It seemed very right to me. And they said, but, but it's not turned out that way. And, and, not, and watch this. And I looked at him and I said, now watch this. Please, please, please get this. You could have sought God and made the exact decision that God wanted you to make. But watch, you can't force somebody else who affects your life to be in the will of God. You see, this, this couple, their, their whole uh, life and decision hinged on a man following through with his commitment. And they trusted him to follow through with his commitment. So they made all these decisions, and when it came time, this man did not follow. And so first thing they think, man, did we just miss God's will? Did we misunderstand what God was doing? I said to them, no, 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 no. You understand? This man's decision maybe was not not in God's will. You see, his turning back on his commitment from everything they told me, I think he was supposed to do just what he said he was going to do. And God had laid out. But you can't control somebody else's decision. It's a great fallacy to believe that the Christian life has less troubles than the life of the unbeliever. Boy, come on now. Just breathe loud or something, okay? Man, it is so silent out there. I got a little bit of mumbling back here. But other than that, okay. <laughs> now, we have, this is more of a kind of a lesson, but I want you to get this. We, we have troubles for four basic reasons. Not, these are not all-inclusive, but four basic reasons. Okay, number one, we have troubles because we're in a sinful world. We're just in a sinful world. So we're going to have trouble. And, and that means everybody that lives in this world is going to have trouble. Everybody. Okay, uh, okay, let me do this. You gonna drink your water? You're not now. Okay. All right. Here we go. We have right now, let me just move this out of the way. All right. This is the saved person. This is the lost person. Okay. Now, here's what most of the the world kind of believes right now. They believe that if you're lost, man, here's what happens. 
you have troubles. And your life is just messed up with trouble. And it, it begins to discolor your whole life, mess up your whole life, because you're just full of trouble. But here's what a lot of the preachers are teaching you today. This is the Christian life, no trouble. So if you have trouble, God's upset with you, or you're not really a Christian or something. But that's not true. You see, both of these live in a sinful world. That's right. That's right. We both live in a sinful world. Uh, there's another reason that we have uh, these troubles. Bad choices in life bring negative consequences. Bad choices in life bring negative consequences. We can blame everyone and everything else, including God, but our actions and decisions bring consequences that we must face. Amen? It just does. And so, truthfully, as a Christian, hopefully, we make a few less of these kind of decisions than the world does, but the world makes those decisions because they choose, they, they, they're, they're on a different uh, plane of thinking. The man who chooses to steal goes to jail for stealing. The sentence is a consequence, but the consequences of his decision, you, whatever you do, you, there's consequences to it. And so the world out there has that. Maybe, uh, you know, the world has every day they're making a different decision. And it's, it's affecting their life. As Christians can still make a, a wrong decision. Still can. Now, there's number three. Troubles can happen because of the choices of others that affect our lives. If a leader in a home chooses to bring alcohol, pornography, hatred into the home, consequences of these actions do not only affect the leader, but those who live with them in the home. And I just, just, you know, just two or three things. But you bring that into the home and, you know, again, the world has a different concept. So to bring this stuff into the home is no big deal. Christians, hopefully we're not doing that. We understand that this is really going to affect how we live because the Bible has taught us that those things are wrong. Now, here's the thing, though. Troubles come to save people because they are the enemy of the world. You notice what we read there? It said, these things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You see what it's saying? It says, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word what I spoke unto you, that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Listen to this. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So guess what? We've got all these troubles over here, but this is one they don't have. You know, before you got saved, you're the world. Before you got saved, the world. So the world doesn't hate you. The truth is the scripture just taught us the world loves you. They're all for you. But watch this, as a Christian, you're going to get attacked by the world. And the more Christ-like you are, the more you're going to be attacked. So the truth is, what we come down to is that pretty much this, 
I mean, we're both getting beat up. So why become a Christian? Anybody had any troubles lately? Anybody had any struggles? Anybody ever got, had somebody get mad at you just because you're a Christian? I was out soul winning one day, which if you don't understand, the term, just walking out and, and really just handing out tracks. And a guy about back then, I was in my, in my you know, late 20s, and, and uh, he was very, very old, probably 60 or so. <laughs> and, uh, and I was walking by, and, and, I, and I just, I looked at him, and I pulled out a track, and I said, sir, can I give you this? And that's as far as I got. He started swinging at me. Now, I, you know, I mean, it's kind of humorous. I'm, I'm like, you know, what are you doing? But that's what he was doing. Why? I was out talking to people one night, and, uh, and I walked up to a guy, and he had a suit and tie on just like I did. And, and, uh, and I walked up to him, and I said, let me give you this. And the guy reached in his coat, and he said, I'll kill you. Now, he don't know me. But when he reached in his coat, you don't have to believe this story, but when he reached in his coat, I reached and grabbed his hand through the coat, and I grabbed him by his tie. Thank God he had on a tie. Because that, I pulled his tie forward so I could keep pressure on it, and he had a gun inside of his coat. I had my hand on the gun inside of his coat, and I had it by his tie. But I got a problem. Turn loose to either one, and I'm done. And I'm standing on the sidewalk holding a guy's tie and holding a gun thinking, what do I do now? And I, this is the craziest story in the world. I'm not even sure why I'm telling it because nobody believes it. But while I'm standing there holding this guy, a taxi drives up, and the taxi driver threw the back door open right there beside us, and I threw the guy in the car, shut the door, and the taxi drove off. I, I know you. There was an angel driving that taxi. Either that or that taxi driver was probably got shot in the back of the head. When he, but... Why? Just because I'm a Christian. Just because I want to tell somebody about Christ. They will attack you, and the world is doing a lot more today. To be a Christian is is to be, you know, equated with the Taliban. You know what I mean? Just we are we are something that's evil and and something that's ungodly. But but uh, uh, now. So we're out there, and the world's going to attack us, and we understand that. And the world out there is struggling with, with problems because there's an evil world. The world's out there struggling with problems because of bad decisions. The world's out there struggling with problems that, that they brought upon themselves in many ways uh, because of the decisions of others. We're still affected by our bad decisions. Hopefully they're fewer. We're still affected by the decisions of others, but we got one that they don't have. We got the world that's after us. So I ask again, why even become a Christian? Because, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, that's why most of the churches today are not teaching this. They're not saying this. They're, they're saying, you become a Christian, and here it is. It's all good. I'm sorry, but it's not. Anybody had it all good since you became a Christian? Anybody had any struggles since you became a Christian? Both represent our lives. Both these glasses represent our lives and, both, and the troubles that come to our lives. Both of them represent that. 
The drops of food coloring that I added to each glass represent the troubles of this, of this world. That Christian actually faces less troubles because of his decisions if he will heed the wisdom of the word of God. But the Christian will face troubles that the lost man does not face because he's a child of God. And again, as Jesus said, if you persecute me, they will persecute you. The lost man normally makes more wrong decisions in life because most often he has a secular worldview rather than a biblical or a moral worldview. So he's going to make decisions that are trash in his life the whole time he's convinced that they're somehow better. But they're hurting his life, hurting his marriage, hurting his children. The lost man, though, will come under less attack from the world than the Christian will. The lost man, he fits into the world view, he, the secular worldview, and he fits into the university, and he fits into the government, and he fits in to everybody there that's, that's honestly that's ruling the world in much, much, most of the cases. So effectively, the attack may come from different venues, but all of us will suffer attack. All of us will. Norman Vincent Peale really kicked off the power of positive thinking. It's not a, it's not a new thing, but I mean, he really kicked it off in, in the last generation. Uh, and it's been picked up by, you know, I hardly, I don't like to name names much, but, you know, really, you know, the, the whole mantra has been picked up by Joel Osteen. It's a whole, it's not salvation, it's not Jesus, it's power of positive thinking. Now, and I just say that not to, to attack anybody, but, but we, he is, you know, I mean, he's got a huge, huge following because it's, it is power of positive thinking. It, it, it's, uh, it's, now, understand, thinking positive is better than thinking negative. Okay, it really is. The fallacy comes in believing that your thinking will stop the evil and the negatives from coming into your life. He says the power of positive, you know, if you just, and, and I started to bring some quotes out here from him, and it, it's just, no, it's not really not about him, but the, but the issue is that's what's been permeated, and people really want to hear that. They want to hear that if they just think, uh, oh, as one man wrote it, he said, you know, think and grow rich, okay? So, so if you think rich, you're going to grow rich. If you think that way, if you're going to, you think everything's going to go good, then God's going to be good to you, and you just... Just think positive about God, and God's going to be good, and God's going to bless everything. I know this probably is discouraging to you, but that, that none of that is true. We got troubles. Okay? And I know you can get a bigger crowd telling them that it's all going to be great. But the truth is, you got to understand, you got troubles. Now, I know this is probably discouraged, but it should not be to the Christian. So listen, none of us... No matter how positive we think, no matter how much we believe we can think and grow rich, we must fight battles in this life. But here is the great difference between the Christian who believes the word, the word of God and the, the Christian who does not. Here it is. And this is the whole bulk of my message. Promises. You see... We all have troubles in this life. But here's something that the world does not have. Amen. The promises of God. That's right. You see, God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. God says no matter how much trouble comes, we're, we're, we're not going to be completely subdued by the troubles. We are perplexed, but not despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Uh, we, we may get knocked down, but you know what? Listen, the devil can't keep us down. 
And so God says, I got some promises for you. I have promises. He says that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, but the, grace of all, uh, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make ye perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. God says, you know what? I can establish you. I can strengthen you. I can settle you. I can make life better for you. Now, Here's what I want you to understand, and I'm going to run out of room here, so I'm going to pour a little bit of this in here. But Philippians chapter 4 says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, my, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory, rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And you see, what we have here, and whether you realize it or not, James chapter 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God says, you go through these trials and troubles. He said, but I can take that and make you perfect. I can make you mature so that you don't lack anything. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 15, 7 says, be you, but be you strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Look at that. Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak. They get weak in the trials. They get weak in the troubles. But he said, no, 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 for your work shall be rewarded. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Revelation 21, 4 says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as, some, as though some strange thing happened unto you. He said, don't think it's strange. The trials are coming in your life. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. 2 Corinthians 1, 4 says, Who comforteth us all in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in tr any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God says, when you go through it, he said, I'll comfort you with my promises. I put my promises in you. I'll make you, you'll get through it. You'll make it. And you know, one of the things that you can do once you've gotten through it, you can comfort somebody else. Now, the Christian learns that God never promised. Here's, here's the whole key and the whole message. and It's not that dynamic, but I want you to understand the Christian learns that God never promised that we would not have trials and adversity. He gave us promises that we might have joy in the adversity. We can live different. Now, whether you can see this or not and really recognize it or not, They were the same a few minutes ago. Now, obviously, 
every bit of chemical, every bit of trial that came into this one originally is still there. It's not gone. Trials are still there. The promises have just made it better. The promises have made it so that you can endure it. The promises have made it, watch this, so that you can find joy in it. The world doesn't have that joy. They go through their trials, and their trials just grow greater and greater. The truth is, through their trials, here's what happens. Their trials affects their heart. Their trials affects their spirit. Their trials affects their attitude. They have jealousy and anger and bitterness come into their life. And, and when these things happen, instead of trusting the promise of God, they're searching for some other answer. And here's what comes in. Because of the anger, because of the bitterness, because of the, the anxiety, because of the medication, because of everything, because of the worldview that they've trusted in, the trials become darkened and their heart becomes darkened. They become angry. They become bitter. When all along, the same trials came to us and we went to the promises of God. And can I tell you, the longer you live, if I had a big jug up here and I kept pouring in, even though the trials were the same, it would do nothing but get more and more clear. Because the longer you trust the promises of God, the more God just... The trials don't affect you like they once did. You face them now and, and you think, Lord, it's okay. There was a time where you had to get all the way through the trial and then look back and say, okay, Lord, we're going to find peace and joy through this. We've survived it. As you grow older, you start to look at it as you've trusted the promises of God your whole life. And you look at it, you start to say, even when you, when you get hit with it, you say, okay, God's going to get us through this. God's going to take care of us and he's going to show us what he's going to do before it's all over with. The Christian learns that God never promised that we would not have trials and adversity. He gave us promises that we might have joy in the adversities. A Christian will, of course, we have heaven to look for uh, through all of our adversity, but we have a life here in this earth that can we still find joy through the trials. Possibly the greatest example of the true Christian life is Stephen, the first martyr. Stephen, it says in Acts chapter five, uh, chapter seven, verse fifty-five. It says this: "But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. That's a pretty serious trial. And and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet." whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice and said, Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. Here's Stephen, he's going through a greater trial than any of us have ever faced. And yet Stephen, in some sort of calmness, He's still got his eyes on the Lord and still to the point as as he's being stoned, he just goes to sleep. There's this illustration, I'm about done, the illustration of the old preacher from a long time ago. I never heard him personally, but 
been listening to him a lot of times on, a, on tape back in the day, but his name was John R. Rice. And, and I heard this story many, many times uh, told by others. And, and uh, they said that John R. Rice he was preaching in a, in a conference and he was going to spend a lot of his life at hotels. And he got on an elevator at a hotel. And, uh, and I don't know who all else is with him. I don't know all the details of that story. But the story that I remember is that when he was on that elevator at that hotel, a man pulled a gun out and stuck the gun in his stomach and said, I'm going to kill you. Now, I assume that you know, he's going to kill him because of his preaching, going to kill him because of his stand, going to kill him because of his Christianity. Stuck the gun in his stomach. But here's the story that, that I heard. They always said that I never, again, I never saw him. I saw him on video, but I never saw him. But they said he always looked over his glasses like this. And they said that he looked over his glasses with a gun in his stomach and said, young man, you can't scare me with heaven. Amen. And you know, the truth is that's what God's trying to get us to understand. We've got so much more than the world does. We don't have to be upset. We don't have to be tormented. We don't have to end up like the world does. We don't have to be that way. We have the promises of God. But I'm listening to me, folks. You got to get in that book and see them, and you got to believe them. You see, the world tries to scare us with death, but the moment I take my last breath, I take my, my first breath in heaven. Matter of fact, I think they're one continual breath. There is not real death to the Christian. So that the question really comes down today is, well, what's life you're going to choose? And I'm not just talking about salvation choosing. I'm talking about what's life are you really going to choose? Because the simple truth is, Every Christian in here, Christian, okay, by Christian, I'm saying everybody who's saved, everybody who's saved and on their way to heaven, you have heaven to look for. But every Christian still has the choice whether they're going to live by the promises of God or be defeated by the trials of life. We still have that same choice. And the truth is, every trial that comes, it's still a, we have a choice again. How will we accept it? How will we deal with it? No matter what you're facing right now, no matter what you're going through, let me, let me tell you, there is a promise of God that will get you through. God's promises are true. And we don't have to. I've seen so many Christians, I've dealt with them, I've counseled with them, and I've, I've dealt with some of this in my own personal life, but I've seen so many Christians that we start to just get angry and bitter because of the attacks, the trials, the things, and we start, to, we get so deep into asking why. Why, God? And really when we're saying why, God, we're saying, God, this is unfair. This should be this way. I don't think, I don't agree with what you're doing right now. And listen to me, when we do that, we're, all of us have a tendency to want to say, God, help me to understand. That's different. God, show me, teach me, help me. That's different. But when we're saying, God, why is in the fact it's unjust, it's not right, it's not fair. Listen to me, what we're doing, we are a Christian that is looking at our life and saying, God, I don't agree. So we're bringing poison into our life instead of God's promises. Amen. 
trust the promises of God. Now, again, I don't know. We're a little bit, we're a little bit down today as far as attendance, but the people that God knew would be here are here. Amen? And the people that God put this on my heart for are here. And can I tell you, one of those people God put it on my heart for? Okay. There's one big problem with having a big family. There's a crisis every day. I think I joke with Joe. I think we need to go back and rethink this thing. Basically, we have about thirty something all in our family right now. Grandkids. Kids, no, I don't know. It must be pushing close to 40. Uh, but the, we got them every, you know what? That's, 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 it's like at least 1.3 per day that going to have a problem. Last night, Candace, she said, I don't want to alarm anybody, but does it mean anything if you vomit so much you vomit blood? Like, does that mean anything? Does that mean anything? I wrote her back and I said, hey, knucklehead, get to the doctor. And she writes back, oh, well, it's probably, no! If you want me to go to sleep, I got two phone calls while I'm trying to go to sleep. And both of them are like, I think I've got this happening. I think I have this. I'm like, huh. Don't th- just go to the doctor so we can both sleep. God bless you. God's good. The promises of God are incredible. Search them. See them. Find them. Hey, you know what? You have something called the internet now, and it's used for all kinds of garbage. But look, people have researched and researched. You can go on the internet and say promises of God. And some knucklehead took like 17 years to write up every one of them. You don't even have to look through and search them out. They got them there. Promises of God for adversity. Promises of God for this. It used to be books they would write about it. They don't have to do that anymore. You can just look them up and they'll list all the verses. Go to them. Find them. And when you do, believe them. Believe them. Well, I'm a, I'm a 1205 person now. And it's 1204. So, Father, I pray that you bless Please, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your goodness. And I pray, Lord, this simple, simple message would help us, Lord. It's the simple things that we struggle with. It's, a, it's just the everyday living. It's, it's, it's somehow remembering once again in the midst of the trial that God has an answer. And realizing we've got to stop and stop the frustration and stop the upset attitude and stop the anger and stop the fretting and worrying and it just say, wait, time out. I've got the answer. The answer is in the word of God. God has truth. God has promises for everything that I'll endure, everything that we face. Please, Lord, help us to see that. Help us to believe that. I pray you bless this morning. Let's all stand, and here we have just a a brief invitation. But again, you know, I never know what goes on in the hearts of mine, but You know, truthfully, if this is your life and you're lost, 
You don't even have heaven to look forward. So you're going to live in this trial and heartache and discouragement through this life. Only, it's not a better place. Only to end up in hell. But if you're struggling right now, and all of us do, why don't you just come to God today and say, Lord, 